following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. The New Testament reading is taken from chapter 10 of St Matthew's Gospel, starting to read at verse 24 and going on to verse 39. Jesus continues to instruct his disciples. The student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground, apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me whoever finds his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it this is the word of the lord thanks be to god let's begin with a prayer Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts may always be acceptable to you, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, on the May Bank holiday, back in the days when you could actually go out and about on a May Bank holiday, I persuaded Aaron to come on a walk along the cliffs near Whitby. We parked in Robin Hood's Bay, we walked to the exit of the car park, I opened the guidebook and we took a right. 
we walked along the cliff tops and it was a lovely day. The views were great and all was good for the first mile or so. Only then we got to the first landmark, but in the guidebook, it wasn't one mile into the walk, it was four miles. So I looked at the instructions and I realised then the big mistake that I'd made. Instead of turning right out of the car park, we should have turned left. We ended up doing the whole walk in reverse and approaching every junction, path and viewpoint from a different direction to the guidebook. Perhaps it's not surprising that now when I suggest a walk, Aaron offers to come as far as the first pub and then suggests that he stay there with a pint and the football. All of that goes to make the point that when we try to find our way in unfamiliar territory, we need a reliable guide. And for preachers, that's no different. Preachers have the task of speaking about passages from the Bible, a text that was written nearly 2000 years ago in the Middle East in a language no longer spoken today. We need guides to help us navigate this text. And so we reach for the commentaries, the textbooks, our guides to the Bible. And often these commentaries, quite rightly, try to help us cross the gulf between the ancient world and our world. By showing us how things worked in the ancient world, they help us see what the Bible meant to those who wrote it and heard it first. But these days, that's not the only kind of commentary. Over the last 40 years or so, another kind of commentary has developed. A kind of commentary that helps us see what the Bible means to people in more recent times, especially to people who haven't always had a voice in the academic world. You could say that this different kind of commentary focuses not on those who wrote the Bible, but on those for whom it is written. And especially on those who are on the margins of our society today. Those who have very little wealth or influence or even hope. So today I'd like to base my sermon on one of this different kind of commentary. And I've got several reasons for wanting to do this, particularly today. First, we may not realise, and I certainly hadn't, just how meaningful our particular passage from Matthew's Gospel today has been for oppressed communities, for people who've been denied power or influence. Secondly, the events of the past five weeks in the USA and across the world have shown us that we need to hear the voices of those who've suffered from oppression and injustice. If those voices are important generally, then they are even more vital when they talk about the Bible.
because this is the word of a God with a heart for the oppressed and the powerless. A God who cares deeply about the orphan and the widow and the stranger. And thirdly, through these voices, our text comes alive in a new way. For a community in hardship and fear, these words brought life. And seen through their eyes, they are life bringing too for us. So which commentary am I going to use? Well, it's this one. I'm going to use a commentary called The Gospel in Solentiname. Solentiname is the name of some islands in Lake Nicaragua in Central America. In the 1970s, when this commentary was written, Nicaragua was ruled by a dictator called Somoza. His regime was harsh and violent. Survivors have told of paramilitary death squads and widespread torture and violence. Those who lived in the Solentaname area of Nicaragua were mostly peasant farmers, many of whom met each Sunday for a service in their church. And instead of a sermon, the priest at this church, whose name was Ernesto Cardinal, led a discussion on the gospel reading. And this commentary contains his transcription of those discussions, which he recorded so that they wouldn't be lost. This commentary was actually banned by the Somoza regime when it was first published. And it contains the voices of people who long to be free and who find hope, hope of freedom in the gospel. Today, I'd like to listen to three voices from this commentary in particular. They are the voices of Alejandro and Olivia and Armando. But before we hear them, we need to remember the history of Nicaragua after this commentary was written. Because that history was a violent one. There were atrocities committed both by the Somoza regime and the Sandinista government that followed it. Many of the farmers who contributed to this commentary were caught up in the fighting, whether willingly or not. They sided with the communist Sandinistas, and sometimes they saw in the Bible a kind of mandate for their communist views. I would not agree with everything they say, and so my selection reflects the points that I think express something important about this passage. And as we listen, as we hear these voices, we always have to remember that these are people living under the kind of fear and constraint that few of us can imagine. 
let's start with Alejandro. He begins by talking about verse 26 of our passage, which in the New International Version says, so do not be afraid of them. Alejandro says this. One sentence here is very clear. Therefore, do not fear the people. The fear you have that they're going to do you some harm. And when are they going to do you harm? When you're against certain systems and certain injustices. That is, we're absolutely forbidden to be afraid of telling the truth, of being against anything that will endanger us, even our lives. Alejandro is talking about verses 26 to 28. Just before that, in verse 25, Jesus has warned his disciples that they can expect the same insults that he himself has suffered. He says, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? Then verse 26 begins with the words, so do not be afraid of them, or in Alejandro's translation, therefore do not fear the people. To Alejandro and his friends, the fear was very real. The fear of speaking up, the fear of questioning injustice, the fear of opposing the government. He finds in this passage, not just an encouragement, but an instruction to tell the truth and not to be afraid. Verse 27 says, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. In other words, speak up, speak out. Alejandro sees this passage as about justice. And what's interesting is that other more standard commentaries don't spell this out. They talk about not being afraid to proclaim the Christian message, about the importance of being upfront about our own Christian faith. And they're not wrong. This passage is about that. But what makes Alejandro's comments make us realise is that to be meaningful and to be faithful to what Jesus elsewhere taught, the Christian message and the Christian faith have to be connected with justice in the here and now. Let's hear then from someone else. Let's hear from Olivia. Olivia talks about verses 29 to 31. And these verses start with the words, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Olivia says this, as I understand it, the gospel tells us this so that we know we're worth so much. He takes care of us and we're so valuable that even
even when we die, we're not dead. We're just living more. And that's why we shouldn't be afraid. God is in control of the whole universe. Even the flight of a little bird he has to watch over. And God is love. After Olivia, Armando follows her and he says this. Even the little birds that are worth hardly anything in the market are worth a lot to God. How much more must people be worth to him? Although for the exploiters, people aren't worth anything. They buy them very cheap. These comments draw out how much reassurance there is in God's care for the sparrow. God cares for creatures who appear insignificant. They appear worthless. They are bought and sold. For those people whose voices don't normally count and who have very little, God cares. But as Armando points out, it isn't just about God's care. There is an implicit judgment here on those people who exploit others, who traffic others, who treat other people as objects to be bought and sold. And along with that implicit judgment comes a call to all who follow Jesus Christ to stand against all forms of human exploitation. So let's turn now to our final comment on this passage. Let's return to Alejandro. He looks at verse 34, which says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In reading that, Alejandro says this, You can't have peace if you really love your neighbour. Even when there's peace in a community, like here in Solentename, even here, deep down, you have the great worry, the uneasiness, because you see injustice more clearly. And the cause of this worry, I think, is love. And you can say then that this person is not completely at peace because he is concerned about others. And it would be too bad if we were all calm. What Alejandro does here is to link Jesus's words about not bringing peace with the heart of Jesus's commandment, love God, and love your neighbour as yourself. Love of neighbour does not bring peace when we see our neighbours abused and mistreated. And we can see this in the response to the death of George Floyd. The Black Lives Matter campaign wants change, not peace. When we see an innocent man murdered before our eyes, in Alejandro's words, it would be too bad if we were all calm. This morning we've 
heard from three voices, from a community and way of life remote from our own. And what they've done is to show how this passage from Matthew's Gospel can be read as about justice and injustice. And without hearing these voices, I don't think we would have heard that message, at least I wouldn't. I would have talked instead this morning, quite probably, about the importance of confessing my faith, of sharing the Christian message in words, of Christian mission to those who haven't heard about Christ, and about the life beyond this one. And all of these things are vitally important, don't get me wrong. But the point is that I wouldn't have focused on the issue of injustice. But this morning we followed a different kind of guide. And just like the walk I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, we've approached things from a different angle, a different point of view. And we've heard from a part of the world where there was so much more at stake in standing against injustice than there is for us. One comment that Alejandro made about the passage was this. It's clear that for the sake of justice, we have to risk even our bodies. There is deep poignancy in Alejandro's comment on this passage, because he was killed in the violence at the end of the Somoza regime. His body is buried beside the church in Salentenami. But the people of Salentenami were not alone in finding in this passage both courage to face injustice and the hope that it would be overcome. Many years before, on the slave plantations of the southern USA, the slaves sang a spiritual based on this passage. And just like Olivia did in Salentenami, their song talks about the God whose eye is on the sparrow, the God who sees and cares for all his creation, even those who are treated or feel like the least. And so I'd like to finish my sermon with the first verse of their song. And it goes like this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heavenly home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.